Hey everyone, this is Craig Horlbeck from the Ringer Fantasy Football Show. Join me, Danny Heifetz, and Danny Kelly every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday to help you win your draft, win your league, and most importantly, avoid that last place punishment. Follow the Ringer Fantasy Football Show on Spotify. This episode is brought to you by Pure Leaf Ice Tea. Go beyond reality with new Pure Leaf Blackberry Iced Tea and discover a berry delicious world bursting with unexpected blackberry flavor. A world so full of refreshing blackberry iced tea that you may never want to leave. But there's always time to linger. Try new Pure Leaf Blackberry Iced Tea. Visit amazon.com slash pureleaf and enter 20 Pure Leaf for 20% off your purchase of new Pure Leaf Blackberry Iced Tea. There's no better feeling than a personal win. And the State Farm Personal Price Plan can help you do just that. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with the personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. Gentlemen, I'd like to welcome you all back to the Death, Taxes, and Bananas podcast. Now, I often get credited uh, with, you know, being just such a reality television challenge icon. And I know over the years I have accomplished quite a bit. Don't need to run through all the accolades. But while we're here, we just might as well. 18 years and counting on reality television. My 22nd challenge season about to air. Seven wins. Most challenges ever done. Most dailies ever won. Anyways, enough about me. This is about you. Because I would not be the man, the banana that I am today without all you loving and supportive fans. A lot of you have uh, withstood the test of time with me. Uh, going all the way back to 2005 when I was just an itty bitty banana, straight out of college, fresh on the reality television scene, real world Key West. And a lot of you have uh, stuck with me all these years. We've picked up some along the way. So I'd like to uh, welcome you all to the banana boat. It's really funny because over the years, I have gotten so many messages from fans that were like, I used to hate you. You were the worst. I despised you. But over the years, they've all seen, not, not they've all, there's still some holdouts, all right? But a lot have seemed to finally come around. And uh, I'm like an acquired taste, I guess, to some. You know, some people don't like wine. I didn't used to like wine when I was a kid. I hated wine. Now I love it. Drink a bottle a night or half a bottle, but usually it's a bottle. So yeah, um, here we are. All these years later, all of you still supporting. So what I wanted to do is I wanted this episode to be about you, all right? To be about the fans. You know, I we're we're gearing up here for the Challenge USA season 2 on CBS, which is going to be an absolutely epic season. So before we get into uh the next season, before we, you know, really ramp things up back here, start bringing on all the familiar faces and some new faces from the Challenge USA, I figured I just wanted to do an ode to uh to all you you know, challenge fans and 
detractors out there, because I'm sure there's some detractors out there listening to every episode of my podcast, some haters, some trolls, but I still want to thank you all for listening as well. Because in all honesty, speaking of fans, I've, I've realized this over the years. My haters are actually my biggest fans in disguise. So welcome. Welcome to all of you. So like I said, we are going to uh, do a deep dive into the old mailbag on today's episode of the Death Taxes and Bananas podcast, where I'm going to answer some questions, some concerns, maybe make some predictions. Now, these were all submitted through social media, Twitter, threads just turned into more of a bunch of fans, I don't know, commenting and arguing with each other. Uh, And then I pulled a bunch also from my Instagram story. We're going to kick this one off with, and and I actually, I've gotten this question a lot in the past before. I ask myself this question quite often. Friends, family do as well. And this is about me taking a taking breaks or taking a you know time out from the challenge. So uh, Fluffy Tay at Fluffy Tay wants to know: Do I plan my breaks from the challenge, as in how many seasons I take off, or is it one of those spur of the moment decisions? Well, Fluffy Tay, up until Double Agents, I hadn't intentionally taken a season off since I started back in 2006 on the duel. That was what season 17, I want to say of the challenge. And I, after my first season, didn't think I was even going to be asked back to be honest. And I was. And so I did every, I was basically going to do every single season that I could as long as I was asked. And then uh, the first one that I didn't get cast on was the duel two. And then Battle of the Seasons. But other than that, every single season up until Double Agents that they had asked me to do, I did. And I think it was like, it was either, I think it was like 19 out of 21 seasons I did. I ripped off 13 in a row. And uh, it wasn't until my win on Total Madness that I definitely, that was kind of like a forced mental break. I just felt like that was the first time that I really felt like, Not only did I need to take a break for my own personal, mental, and emotional well-being, but there was no point in coming back the next season. And this is even before, uh, you know, all the COVID uh, lockdown stuff happened because as if coming back and winning after my sixth win was difficult, I knew coming back after seven was going to be damn near impossible. And uh, I was right. So uh, to answer your question, I know I went on a bit of a tangent there. Depends. The, the 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 only two breaks I've ever taken that weren't on my own accord were uh, the Duel 2 and Battle of the Seasons. Then I took off Double Agents and Spies, Lies, and Allies. Do I plan on taking a break anytime soon? I don't know. Now we're just taking it season by season at this point, okay? All right. What type of food... So this is a different one. What type of food do you eat before a final? Moon Reader 33 wants to know. So... It depends on who the executive producer is that is uh, controlling that season and the final. Uh, There are different schools of thought. One of the executive producers, uh, Justin Booth, has a whole different way about, um, you know, his mindset for us going into the final. It's more of like a uh, boot camp style where it's like you guys are basically going to get water maybe a slice of bread, pack of, pack of nuts. You have to eat your own scabs for three days in the final. 
Uh, and there's other there's other executive producers that you know let us have a little more nourishment, but generally we don't we're not given a, a whole lot of food, especially like I said in the uh, in the Justin Booth final. So thank you very much, Justin. We appreciate that. We're only burning I don't know twenty thousand calories a day, and we're eating nothing more than a banana, which are actually pretty delicious. Jose underscore thirty eighty three wants to know. Who do you think from all of your seasons on the challenge always gets a bad rap from the fandom and doesn't deserve it? Oh, this is going to be a hot take. Great question, Jose. Uh, you mean besides myself? I'm just going to start out there. Listen, people, I get it. Back in the day, I was quite the unpalatable character. Okay. Some of that was just uh, me being immature and adolescent. And the other part of that was just trying to create as much friction as I could on TV and just be the biggest dickhead I could just so I could, you know, continue to keep coming back. And there was a period of time when I absolutely relished in the role of being the heel. And again, I made some pretty unsavory decisions over the years and said some pretty unsavory things. But I just want everyone to know that in large part, that was due to me trying to make good television. I have over the years, I'd like to think matured a tiny bit. I have, uh, you know, through other projects that I've done, whether it's uh, hosting a travel show, other shows that I've done, realized that I didn't always need to be this in your face, loud, obnoxious, over the top character. This may come as a surprise to a lot of you because you still see me, you know, on TV and out in public acting a fool. Uh, but if you can believe it, there was a time when I was much wilder than I was. But over the years, like I said, I have really wanted to kind of change the image and persona that I portray on reality television while still maintaining that edginess and that kind of obnoxious in your face over the top persona that got me to where I was. So a lot of people meet me and I can't tell you the amount of times that I have met people out in public and they're like, you are absolutely nothing like I expected you to be on TV. And this always comes as, as a surprise to you, but I guess it shouldn't. The person you see on reality TV, okay, is a edited version of who this person really is. Now, this could be done because of editing through the show, through production. We want to edit this person, look a certain way, or through like self-editing. This is the persona that I want to portray. Combination of both sometimes. And I think in the past, I mean, listen, I get it. You always need an antagonist and a protagonist. And I just gave all that ammunition for years uh, to production to portray me in, you know, the worst possible light they could. And they did. And, uh, you know, I think that there is something to be said about being the villain and about being the heel. It elicits much more of a stronger reaction uh, than, you know, being rooted for. In a weird way, it's almost better for TV for storyline to be rooted against than it is for. And um, as the saying goes, it's better. You either, you either die a hero, or you live long enough to become a villain. And that's true on uh, reality TV. Now, besides myself, again, these might be some unpopular opinions. We're going to start off with Josh. Man, I think this guy has gotten such a bad rap, okay? I get why so many people out there could be annoyed by Josh because he is always, he's just, He's like an exposed nerve, okay? And he is so emotional. And I know a lot of this comes across as like fake, 
But Josh, in a lot of ways, what you see is what you get. He just does not have, he's not doing this for camera. Okay. I assure you that the Josh you see on, on TV is the same Josh that he is outside of the show. And it's not for show. The guy really has zero control of his emotions. Um, I've never seen a human being cry more in my entire life. Okay. Been on reality TV for a long time with a lot of very emotionally unhinged human beings. Um, I think if there was a challenge and it was like, you know, who could fill up this beaker with tears faster than anybody else? Josh is the clear cut favorite. All right. But I get it. Anyone that's going to be loud and obnoxious and kind of over the top and always, you know, kind of flying off and having very uh, little control of their emotions might be a little bit unpalatable to watch. But I got to say who Josh is in reality and actually who he is on the show is a pretty likable version that doesn't come across on TV. Uh, Second, I'm going to say Tori. Tori, I'm not exactly sure where all the hate and all the negativity for this girl comes from. I really don't. And it's been like this for a long time. Every every time there's any sort of controversy, somehow she is made the scapegoat for it. Um, and I just think I just think it, a lot of it is undeserved. I know there's a lot of fans out there, haters or detractors that say that she's you know that she's fake and the persona that she puts off in reality isn't the same as what she does in the show. And she preaches one thing and is a different person. And people, there is not a person that does the show that on reality television practices what they preach. Okay. And that just goes hand in hand with like what we do. It's very difficult to the persona that you portray in your real life and who you are outside of the show and the person you are, you know, when you're not filming, when you're not on reality television, that person will very rarely translate through to the television screen and will make good TV. And I'm speaking from experience. Okay. I say this all the time. The guy that's sitting here right now, as my family calls me, John, all right, friends and family, we've known him for a long time. John DiVananzio would not survive on the challenge. Okay. I have to really put on a coat of a cloak of armor, which is my very over the top in your face personality, sarcastic, tongue in cheek. Everything's a joke. Don't take anything seriously. Show no emotion in order to survive in the challenge house, because the challenge house is all about exploiting vulnerabilities, you know, finding people's weaknesses. So you kind of have to be a different version. So the guy I am right now sitting here, I was just out my backyard feeding my squirrels, nuts, the family man, the brother, the son. While I don't necessarily, you know, preach inspirational quotes all the time on, on my social media, and I don't put that out there. That doesn't mean that's not what I believe in and who I am. But then obviously I'm, when I go on to, you know, when I go on to the challenge, I have to, I, you got to switch gears and you got to be a different person. You got to be, I'm not saying different as far as I go on and be fake. Okay. You have to go on and you have to switch into a, into a different gear. It's like, it's like, I hear this from football players all the time. Some I've met so many professional athletes, football players, and it's like, you meet this guy and you're like, how could this guy be such like this vicious killer on the field? But then when you sit, sit and you're talking, he couldn't be a sweeter guy. It's the same on the challenge. It's like you really do have to flip a switch when you go there because, um, you know, you're uh, you're swimming in a tank of sharks. 
And I think uh, that, you know, with Tori in particular, um, she gets a lot of hate, a lot of negativity for, you know, being this diametrically opposed kind of personality type. But, you know, we all are a little bit different in reality than we are outside of it. So leave Tori alone, people. She's actually a very sweet, amazing, huge hearted, loyal human being. Um, all right. Let's see. This is from Mr. John Lewis. As the Tom Brady of the Challenge franchise, thank you, John, and as the Johnny Bananas of the NFL, that's what people call Tom Brady. And with all your experience, what would your potential five-year plan for the series be if they put you in the head chair? Would you cancel, reformat, or go all in on any of the current shows or make something new? Well, Mr. John Lewis, I'm glad you asked. I would, and again, this is my opinion, and I've experienced this uh, firsthand. Sometimes it's good to be missed. Okay. There was a period of time when I, like I said before, I did 13 seasons in a row. All right. That is a lot of bananas FaceTime. And this is before we were doing all the spinoffs and all that stuff. This actually isn't even counting champ stars. I did two of those. So if we want to count those, I did 15 in a row. But what, I noticed is, and this may be difficult for you guys to believe, I started getting sick of seeing myself. It's like if you had Christmas every single day, uh, you'd get tired of it. it. The novelty would wear out. So I think stepping away for a couple seasons made the fans, some of them miss me. Some some fans were elated. They're like, good, we'll never have this guy back. Some fans, you know what? There were the fans that were like, good, I'm so glad you're gone. Take a break. Sick of seeing you. One season goes by without me, and they're like, I'm sorry for everything I said. Please come back. I didn't realize how much I needed you in my life until you were gone. Sometimes, I mean, that's how love works. Sometimes you don't know what you've got until it's gone. I think what needs, what we've experienced here, and I think this is just reality television in general, is kind of an oversaturation. I mean, it's like the challenge now is a, it's a year-round sport. It's a year-round event. When you don't have the MTV uh, the flagship, then you've got, you know, we're doing CBS now. When you don't have CBS, we did global championships. When you don't have global championships, you've got all stars. So it's just a lot. And I think what I would do is dial it back a little bit. I'd pick maybe one or one or two and just break them up a little bit. Less is more sometimes. I'm not complaining. It's keeping me busy. I've just filmed my third challenge in a calendar year, which is also quite a bit. But I would, uh, you know, dial it back a tiny bit. Secondly, we need to go back to the old school uh, cast member vetting process. Okay, Uh, if you put me in the head chair, believe me, there would be a whole different breed of people making it onto the screen. When I did my original season of the real world, I was one of 200,000 applicants. Okay, to make it through that many rounds of casting and to make it up to, to the, for the cream really to rise to the top, you had to be something different. You had to be special. But if you look at a lot of the veteran cast members, the ones that are still around, the Bananas, the CTs, the Wesses, the Anises, who else? I mean, the Nannies, the Leroys. I mean, I could go on and on. The Rachels, dare I say, the Carmarias, the Laurels. They were all, there's something that they all have in common. That is basically, there are, there's like, they're they're multifaceted. And this is because of the casting process all these people had to go through to get to where they were. 
the fresh meat people, especially the old school fresh meat people, like I had mentioned, I mean, you could throw in Kenny and Evan in there. I mean, and then you had Derek from Road Rules, Mark Long from Road Rules, Darrell from Road Rules. Uh, the fresh meat folks, again, Carmaria, Evelyn, Laurel, Kenny and Evan, they were one step away from being cast on the real world, which means that they went through a very intense uh, casting process, right? Which means you're not going to get put on a show strictly based on the fact that you like to get drunk and hook up which is, I think, all that we've got these days with, when it comes to the, uh, the majority of the new cast members. While that was part of one of their tools at their disposal, and obviously they brought that to the screen, there was like some depth. There's depth to these people. They're gritty. They're like onions. You peel one layer and there's another layer. You peel that layer, there's another layer. That's the reason why these cast members have withstood the test of time and they have the fan base that they have. We were cut from a different cloth, man. Casting just used to be completely different. And now, I mean, dude, we're just throwing people on. It doesn't even matter anymore. It's like, oh, yeah, you were on a, 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 a you know, some dating show in some country that we've never even heard about. You're on. Oh, you were on Big Brother in Romania. Welcome aboard. You were someone's friend that, you know, they met in the outside world and now we're going to bring you on because you have Instagram followers. Perfect. And that's what I feel like the problem is with kind of like where we've come is the reason why the cast members aren't as dynamic of personalities as it used to be is because a, the pool has been completely watered down and we just don't go through the same casting process that we used to not even close. Uh, so that would be another thing that I would do. Casting would 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 uh, would be a little more rigorous, you know, filter through some of the riffraff, have people coming on because they actually want to compete and they're good at the game and good at strategizing, not because they want likes and followers, which is sadly where we've come to at this point. As Kareem Abdul-Jabbar referred to it in his uh, in his article, a throbbing scrum of fame seeking desperados. He also called me an overgrown man, baby. So shout out to Kareem. Right on both accounts. Um, and what else? Re would I cancel reformat? Obviously not cancel. Challenge is the greatest show of all time. I'm not going to cancel it. You just got to rejigger it a little bit. You know what I mean? One of the things we can do, get away from all the bells and whistles. All right. Let's take it back to an easy format that you can understand where it's like you don't have to have a degree in quantum physics in order to figure out what's going on every episode. If you miss one episode, you're screwed. It should be more like a soap opera. You know, soap operas, you can like not watch for a month. You turn it back on. You're like, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah I, got, I get what's going on. Old school, simple formats. The rules that, the, that, that, that you start the show off with, take those rules through the entire game. Maybe have like a mid-season switch up, but don't make it so complicated where teams are switching and people are switching and there's like five elements of the voting process and let's get rid of like the explosions and all the pyrotechnics and just go back to like old school, gritty, like the easy formats. Rivals, these people fought. Exes, these people fucked. Like, you know, you knew that going in. You could turn it on one day and be like, oh, okay, I've never watched a show before, but these two are exes and they're, you know, competing against each other. Or, you know, the duel, everyone, every man for himself. Or, you know, Infernal Gauntlet, where there's just two teams that, 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 that go at it the entire season. Sometimes simplicity is the best way to go. Once you get too complicated, man, you lose, you lose a lot of people's attention. So, yeah, I hope I'm probably going to get a strongly worded email from the powers that be about that little rant. But you know what? 
That's why I'm on the ringer here. So I can say whatever the hell I want. Shout out to the ringer and Spotify for supporting your boy. Um, what kind, this is coming from KC1133XXO. It's an interesting handle there. KC1133XXO. What kind of relationships do you have with some of the greats? Like CT, Cara, Jordan, Wes. Have some of those relationships evolved and why? Great question. Yes, I would say that these relationships have evolved, devolved, revolved. Um, over the years. Most people don't know this. I know that my rivalry with Wes is obviously the most storied one out there, but CT and I, that was my original rivalry. CT and I hated each other for multiple seasons, which is why the whole cutthroat Johnny Bananas back pack situation uh, was such a, I mean, huge event for every reason, not just because I got carried out and smashed onto a trash can, but also like that was like the pinnacle of this rivalry, this longstanding rivalry the two of us had for years. It all started on the duel. Um, when I felt like I was unfairly targeted and uh, made the sacrificial lamb by none other than, uh, than CT. And I, the way I was, well, I still kind of am, but especially back in the day, someone did me dirty. I carried a grudge for a long time. I carried that with me for a long time through the Inferno, through the Gauntlet, uh, every season through Rivals, every season CT and I did, uh, we were, were going at it. And it all culminated uh, in, the, in the cutthroat elimination. But uh, we, you know, I love the guy to death, man. Like the, the, the show, the franchise would not be the same um, without him. And I've found this, I mean, this is true with him. This is true with Wes. This is true with Kara. This is true with Jordan. We, we all kind of buried the hatchet. Devin mended the fence at, you know, different points. But I think the overarching reason why, especially now, there's so few of us left, like true OGs, and there really is the um, very real chance of us eventually being replaced and overrun by all the, you know, rookies that at this point, I mean, just based on body of work, just based on, you know, what we've done and how we've all uh, uniquely carried the franchise over the years and really kept it going. I mean, we're a dying breed and it's almost like we got to stick together. We got to protect the house for as long as we possibly can. And uh, yeah, so I think what ends up happening is, uh, you know, you kind of just end up being, this is why the, the Wesson bananas rivalry ended. Uh, one of the main reasons wasn't because I all of a sudden found that I liked this guy. Uh, that was never going to happen. Even though on, when we did our lie detector test on Maury, he said he didn't want to be friends with me, which was actually found to be a lie because he did. How could you blame him? But the Wesson, my rivalry was ended more out of necessity. I mean, I've talked about this before. I won't get into it, you know, in great detail, but him and I would go back and forth with each other every season. And then two seasons in a row, we were both out of the game early and we both were eliminated on World of Worlds 2. And we looked at each other. We went to this uh, MTV award show. We both looked at each other in the SUV and like, what are we doing? Why are we doing this? We're just making the path easier for all these other idiots. We've been in this game for so long. We've done so much for this franchise. Why are we making the road easier for them? And I feel like that's where, you know, I've come to with a lot of these people. Um, Jordan was a little bit different. I mean, obviously, Jordan and I hated each other 
right out of the gate. He was one of these guys. This was back in like my crusader phase. I felt like I'm like, you know, I need to teach people a lesson. They don't come on and they don't respect the franchise and the forefathers who built it. Uh, it's my job to teach them a lesson. Made my life a lot more difficult than it needed to be, but it made for some great television as well. What I tend to see is a lot of these cast members that come in really hot, try and, you know, make a name for themselves right out of the gate, usually off of the coattails of yours truly. Uh, they tend to eventually establish their path, find their lane, and then we could kind of let bygones be bygones. It's going to happen this season. Can't tell you with who, uh, but I will give you a hint. He spends most of his time up in a tree baking cookies. You figure it out yet? So yeah, that's the majority of the reason why. Plus, listen, I've learned this too. Man, life is too short to carry hate in your heart. All right? So there's just a lot of people out there that I had beef with one day that I'm like, you know, my, my life is hard enough as it is going on the challenge. I got enough people coming at me. Let me try and neutralize as many of these rivalries as I possibly can. Because Lord knows... It ain't ever going to end. If you could design a final for a season, this is Dr. Kareem M. Dr. Underscore Kareem M. If you could design the final for a season, what form would it take? Swim, run, climb, abseil? Am I an idiot? Am I the only one who doesn't know what abseil means? Kayak, eating, for how long and far, and any puzzle or checkpoints you'd add in, what order would things go? How would you... I feel like, you know what I feel like this question is? I feel like Dr. Kareem is a production imposter. I feel like they came up with a fake Instagram handle and they're trying to get information out of me without directly asking me. Listen, if this is you production, you can just come. You got my number. Come straight out and ask. You don't have to hide behind this fake screen name. Um, let's see. I, I, this is the, I mean, this is a very intricate question. Let me just say this. I think that I think the way the final should go. I think the way the season should go, and I understand they want parity in the game and they want new winners and they want, you know, new people to come out on top. But the challenge I feel like in a lot of ways has turned into a complete crapshoot. Okay. It used to be, yes, there's an element of chance and there's an element of luck and there's an element of risk involved. But now I feel like that's what it is from beginning to end. I mean, if you make it to a final now and if you win, I feel like the amount of luck and the amount of just chance is so much higher than it used to be. Back in the day, it was like, if you were the most athletic, if you were the most fit, if you were the most strategic, if you had the best alliance, if you had the best strategy, if you moved your pieces the best, you're going to make it to a final. Then, listen, then it's, then, it's, then it's just, you know, every man and woman for himself. Now, dude, you could have the best strategy. You could be the most athletic. But if you don't know how to do some random puzzle or if you're or if or if by some chance something doesn't fall your way on a given day that's that's the end um and that's why i mean the challenge really has gotten incredibly difficult incredible not that it hasn't always been hard but there's so much now that is just out completely out of of our control um and 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 that's what's made it difficult so what i would do especially in a final is I would go back to it just being a straight final, a slog, throw some equalizers in there. All right. You want to put a puzzle in, you want to put, but like something that is like, I don't know, actually like solvable 
Like they've gotten crazy. Now you're like solving like quantum physics. Okay. You're, you're, you're doing, you're doing memory puzzles where you have to memorize 800 colors and shapes. You know how difficult that is when you haven't eaten or slept for two days, point A to point B. Now there's like, you know, checkpoint. Oh, you're going to stop here. We're going to reset. We're going to bring you over here. Listen, start the final end the final beat the shit out of us. And whoever comes out at the end triumphant uh, is the winner. I mean, I'd go back to, you know, some of the, I think the best finals um, rivals won first time we had an over up all night overnight final, unless you're basically crippled and can't walk for a week after final, you haven't run a real final. Okay. Go back to where it was just an absolute slog and, you know, only the, the strongest survived. If you don't know how to do a Sudoku puzzle, that's like the end of your, of your final. That's kind of, that's kind of crazy, but, to, but I would include all of those things. All right. Swimming, running, climbing. I don't know what abseiling is, but I, I'd add it, you know, just for the hell of it. Kayaking, eating, add them all. Okay. I just, uh, Googled it. Apparently abseiling is repelling. So could you, can Dr. Karim, you couldn't have just said repelling. I mean, I know you're a doctor, uh, or so you claim to be on social media, but you know, us, us common folk for the lay person, you just say repelling next time. Hope that answered your question. This episode is brought to you by Pure Leaf Ice Tea. Go beyond reality with new Pure Leaf Blackberry Ice Tea and discover a berry delicious world bursting with unexpected blackberry flavor. A world so full of refreshing blackberry ice tea that you may never want to leave. But there's always time to linger. Try new Pure Leaf Blackberry Iced Tea. Visit amazon.com slash pureleaf and enter 20 Pure Leaf for 20% off your purchase of new Pure Leaf Blackberry Iced Tea. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. The Hargan women seemed to have it all. We were blessed. My mom was amazing. But detectives would soon discover... Inside the house, there were the bodies of two women. A story of betrayal you would struggle to believe if it wasn't true. I am just praying to God, this is a sick joke. From 48 Hours, this is Blood is Thicker, the Hargan family killings. Listen to Blood is Thicker, the Hargan family killings, wherever you get your podcasts. At Cutler Donnie wants to know. We're going to actually give uh, at Cutler Donnie two two questions because these are actually both pretty good. What the F happened up the Rock of Gibraltar? You always crush it up. Mountains and finals. This time it looked like edited out Eddie had to drag you across. Well, Donnie, you're not wrong. That was something I had never experienced before. That amount of just exhaustion. And... Not to make any excuses here, but I'm going to make some excuses. We had just flown. Okay. Generally, when we go to a challenge, okay, you fly to location and, you know, we're usually flying to somewhere in Europe or Asia. So, I mean, it's, it's a long ass flight. 
No, they don't fly, fly as first class. They fly as friggin' economy, and usually we're stuffed, wedged in a corner somewhere in the back with, you know, kids crying and snotting, and you don't sleep, all right? Um, generally, we're drunk the entire flight, too, or at least used to be. Everyone just get hammered the entire flight. Because it's like a party, right? You're with all these people. You're kind of strategizing. You know, you're on vacation, flying to a foreign country, don't know where we're going. So usually we land and then it'll be like, all right, we're maybe going to introduce the game or we're going to put you in a hotel overnight. And then you're, we're going to bring you to the house and you're going to run in like the running of the bowls. And then you get like a couple days to kind of chill in the house and party. And then we start the game. So Vendettas was the first season ever where we flew. I flew from California to New York, New York to like, I don't know, Qatar, I think. I don't, anyways, long flight, New York to somewhere, then, then that airport in Europe to then Gibraltar. All right. Didn't know where Gibraltar was. Never even heard of the rock of Gibraltar. We get off the plane. All right. Having not slept for the last two days. And they're like, put your uniforms on. You're going to run up that mountain. Now, I. I'm not going to say that everybody wasn't under the same set of circumstances that I was, but I think I had gone especially hard. And I think I had really taken the not sleeping thing pretty seriously because I was just expecting to land and, you know, have some time to relax. That wasn't the case. It was like sprint straight up this mountain. So I was just, I was not prepared, was not ready for that in any sense of the word. The only reason I was not eliminated actually has nothing to do with edited out Eddie. Okay. It's because I absolutely bamboozled Rogan climbing up the mountain. And if you watch back, this is actually where suck my ass TJ uh, originated from too. I was dead last going up that mountain. All right. Dead last. And I'm like, I'm done. I'm going to be eliminated day one on a final. Like this has never happened to me before. And I'm going up these like hills and I'm just like totally out of gas. I can't. And then all of a sudden I turn a corner. I see Rogan sitting on the ground, holding his back. And as I'm about to walk by him, he goes to stand up. Cause he's like, shit, I got to stay ahead of bananas. I'm like, no, 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 man. Now, mind you, I'm the last person. No one's behind me. I'm through. I see Rogan. I'm like, Rogan, you're fine. There's still like five people behind me. Take your time, dude. Just chill. Let your back heal up. You're good. As long as you Make it up ahead of the five people behind me. You're fine. Unbeknownst to him, there was nobody behind me. Except for maybe, I don't know, a rogue cameraman. Or like a tourist on the rock of Gibraltar. Or I think there was monkeys along the way too, which was pretty weird. So I then slog it up this mountain, catch up to Eddie, make it across the finish line. And then about 20 minutes later, here comes Rogan. Basically got absolutely sham wowed by yours truly. That was, that, that was the only thing that saved me from not being eliminated. So, um, yeah, that was, uh, that was wild. The second question from Cutler Donnie was the house shocked when you beat Dunbar and pole wrestle, no, a limb wins for you yet. And he was huge. Yes, he was huge, but he was also very dumb Donnie. All right. That's why we called him the dummy bear. Um, size doesn't necessarily equal, um, strategy doesn't necessarily equal strength. And that actually, it wasn't pole wrestle. It was, it predated pole wrestle. Well, no, it didn't predate pole wrestle, but it was, this was called ragdoll. And instead of a pole, it was a rope. And the thing about this rope is you were able to, if you held it properly, and if you applied leverage properly, you were able to not just use your grip, but use your arm. And that's Dunbar just tried to go out there and, just 
manhandle me from the beginning, which he kind of did. But it's like riding the, it's like you just got to ride the bull for a second, let him tire out. And that's what I did. And then once he did, I got leverage on the rope, was able to beat him. So um, I don't know if the house was shocked. Um, I wasn't shocked. I think he was pretty shocked. Now, this was before I was really hated, though, by cast. It's, I think I'd only, how many had I won at this point? I'd won twice. So I wasn't necessarily like as feared um, as I had become after that. I think people were still like, ah, this guy's just making it through based on his alliances, which people, we got to, again, one of the biggest knocks on my challenge wins in the past have been they've all been because of alliances or I've had people carry me. Um, I think other than the island and the ruins, every other win that I've had has either been individual or has been a pair. So this fallacy that the majority of my wins is because I've won because of alliances and being carried there, that is just patently false. Now, I'm sure you'll all find reasons to justify saying that. Not y'all, but I mean, there's a lot of people out there that I could literally like, I, I could like cure cancer tomorrow and people would be like, oh, he did it. There'd be some negative reason as to why I did it. No matter what I do, I'm going to rescue a, a pillowcase full of drowning puppies. He just did it for clout. He's actually not a good person. No matter what. You know, what? Oh, this is my other favorite one. The end of total madness. It was supposed to be one winner. But Jenny crossed the finish line first. So production reef shot the whole intro and uh, split it 50-50. Do you understand how difficult that would be? Every, cast members already hate me enough and they don't want to see me win. To convince the entire cast, all right, guys, let's just keep our mouths shut here. Bananas came in second, but we really needed him to get this win. Uh, so we're going to split the money. But don't anyone say anything, ever. Okay, that would be the one conspiracy on the challenge where everybody stuck together and didn't say anything. And TJ would never let that slide either. So no, it was always going to be one man, one woman. So I'm sure, okay, but we'll, we'll find new reasons that that is incorrect. Yeah, so I think we got all Cutler Donnie's out of the way. Now, these have all been Twitter. We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna dig into Instagram now. Did you and Wes, this is from CharChar90. Did you and Wes ever get along outside of the game before Total Madness? Well, Char-Char, the answer is yes. Actually, Wes and I never had an issue with each other outside of the show. He is just, he was always just such a different person. Like he was hard to hate outside of the show just because he was such a pathetic mess of a human being. I actually felt bad for him. Um, I'd see his, you know, ugly little freckly face in, 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 in public. And I'd be like, dude, I, I feel like this guy just needs like a hug, you know? And then something would happen where this guy would go on the challenge and that pathetic little freckly weirdo would then turn into like this dude with just like the biggest delusions of grandeur ever. I've never seen a, I've never seen, he's like Dr. Jekyll and Mrs. Mr. Hyde. And that's what it was. I always said it was like, Wes and Johnny, it wasn't us that didn't get along. It was like our on-camera personas that didn't get along. But neither one of us, no matter what our relationship was outside of the show, were able to put that behind us. It was like as soon as we got on TV, we would just default back to our own ways, which was just trying to get rid of the other one. Um, Total Madness was just the first time that we actually came up with a plan to not go at each other and actually stuck to it. Um Jeff underscore Carrillo 23. Do you ever see yourself slowing down with one girl 
or is it too fun having a variety? Mom, new Instagram handle? Uh, Jeff, this is a, uh, this is a tough, it's a tough question. Do I ever see myself settling down or slowing down? Uh, the answer is yes. The when don't know. I feel like right now, the position that I'm in with everything that I have on my plate, with all of the upcoming projects that I have, I've been burning the candle at both ends for a long time. And I've always been so career oriented, career driven, um, that I feel like what has suffered, uh, in, you know, there's always like opportunity benefit, opportunity cost. The benefit over the years has been building the brand, building the notoriety, uh, you know, really climbing up to, to, you know, to the, to the top of the mountain. But what then goes the, the, the negative outside effect of that is the inability really to have a functional relationship, family, that sort of thing. And I don't knock the, the, um, people who have stepped away from the game, started families, got married, but that's just never been my path. I've always just felt like this is, uh, especially in, in an industry as, as fickle as reality TV and, as, and the entertainment industry. I mean, it's like feast or famine. And I feel like the game moves so fast and it's such a cutthroat, unforgiving environment to live in that I felt like if I took my focus off of, you know, my, my career and just continuing to elevate myself, um, to focus on something or someone else for a long period of time, it just wasn't going to, uh, work out my, in my favor. So yeah, I've been able to, again, amass a very massive brand and, and, you know, uh, name and popularity. But again, the drawback has been me still just being me, the banana, not having a bunch, but I will say Jeff variety is always, uh, variety is always fun. It's always good to, uh, be able to be free, do what you want to do whenever you want to do it. Um, cause that's what life's all about, man. At least for me, what would you, this is from Elise flow. What would you be doing if you never got into reality television? Again, I feel like this is a uh, question coming from my parents. I believe it or not, actually was going to join like the financial sector after college. I got a degree in economics at Penn State, literally went straight from college onto the real world. And um, I want to do like investment banking, something like that. Would I have ever gotten a job that I could have held down? Probably not. Because the challenge is the first job that I've ever had for this period, of t this amount of time that I haven't been fired from. Actually, I didn't get fired from Starbucks either. I had a job at Starbucks and they actually loved me. It was the first job I had where they encouraged me to be myself and didn't try to get me to conform to some corporate nonsense. So Critter Lay number three wants to know, this isn't challenge related, but it's a very important question. Has that squirrel ever bitten that pretty little face of yours? those of you who don't know, I actually have a whole uh, family of wild squirrels that live in my backyard and I feed them nuts. They're actually my best friends. There's nothing better, no better energy than squirrel energy. No, they've never bitten my face. They've never even bitten my hand, to be honest. Okay. Uh, the closest that they've got is they've scratched me a little bit, but that's self-inflicted because I have them crawl on me to get my nuts. I know that sounded bad. Um, Dark Eyes 81. 
Would you rather host a challenge or only be in them? Well, dark eyes, I actually get this question quite a bit. In order for me to host the challenge, that would mean that our fearless leader, TJ Lavin, would not be there. And the challenge is not the challenge without TJ as host. Okay. So as great as it would be, as much fun as it would be to, uh, you know, step off the cast and onto that side, I have way more fun competing. And I really do feel like the day TJ, if and when he decides to leave the show is the day that I decide to leave because I just don't know what the show would be without him. I would be lost without you, Tej. All right. How long is a season of the challenge from beginning to end? Julian underscore P88 wants to know. Well, it varies, Julian. Uh, They go anywhere from six weeks to 11. But let me assure you that six weeks, 10 weeks, eight weeks, three weeks in a challenge house is different. It's like dog years, you know, like for every like one year, a dog ages seven years. That's kind of like how the challenge days are. For every one day in the challenge house, it's like seven real days. Or I'm sorry, for every seven real days is like one challenge day. You know, you get what I mean. Time literally ceases to exist when you're on the challenge. Part of that's by design, but also part of that is because we spend 90, 95% of the challenge doing nothing, staring at the ceiling, staring at our eyelids, staring at each other. Which is why bonds and relationships and emotions are so intense in the challenge houses because you spend, say you spend 11 weeks with somebody on the challenge, that is 24 hours a day, seven days a week in a house. There are friends that most of you have probably had for 10 years that you haven't spent that amount of time with in that short period of time. Uh, They say that like with human beings, like real feelings, real emotions develop once you've spent a hundred hours with somebody. All right. So in the outside world, say you like meet someone, you go on a few dates, right? I don't know. What does a date last a few hours? Date them. You like, you know, spend time with them. How long does it take in the outside world if you meet someone to spend a hundred straight hours with this person? Not sleeping. Not like, oh, you're spending the night. We're going to sleep. Those don't count. Just like intimate or just, you know, just time together. hundred hours. We hit that hundred hour mark on the challenge in less than a week. Okay. Because again, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, you're with these people. And that's why emotions, people get so, you know, upset. And that's why people get so, um, you know, furiated and connected to this game is because while it may look like a game to the person watching, the environment that we're placed in, the amount of time we're there, the isolation we have from the outside world, that alternate reality becomes our real reality. No matter how many times you do this show, I've done 22 seasons, it, feel, it, it, it never ends. So to answer your question, how long is it from beginning to end? Six weeks, but it might as, it might as well be six months because that's literally what it feels like. What was one of your favorite memories excluding what's on TV? Give credit to who asked that question. That was Katie Soul. Thanks for the question, Katie Soul. Um, for me, the best memories aren't even necessarily an occurrence, not, not even necessarily something that happened, a story that you could tell that happened on the show. My favorite memories are just those moments you have 
where you just kind of take in the experience, right? There have been times, I mean, I've been all over the planet on the challenge doing some of the most amazing things. Thailand, Bataloche, Argentina, Pucón, Chile, Iceland. You know, we were just in, in uh, Croatia. And there are just these moments that you have, whether it's after a final, where you just kind of sit there and you take in the moment. I mean, one of my favorite experiences was after free agents in Chile, climbing to the top of a volcano, an active volcano. And after you got to the top of that volcano, just sitting there and just, I mean, just taking in this, this moment and the magnitude of this moment. Because a lot of times we get caught up in the game. And you get caught up in like what's going on. You don't have time to really like fully embrace and, and take in. There's these moments that you have where it just happens and you'll sit there. It might be a sunset. Okay. It might be, you know, a rainstorm. There've been times, dude, just this last season, um, we were doing a challenge and all of a sudden out of nowhere, the sky opened up and everyone production cast, we all had to run to these little tents. Right. And we're all, and we're mixed together, cast crew, like whatever. And we all, dipped into these little tents and it, it it was like one of these moments where even though it's like, all right, yeah, we're all sitting here sheltering ourselves from a rainstorm. It's like when you're filming all the time, there really is this uh, dynamic where it's like, we're kind of like these captive prisoners. And then production is kind of like, you know, the wizard behind the curtain. Like, you know, there's this fourth wall that's there. And it's when these, it's when that wall comes down, and we're all kind of there together and we're, you know, just sitting there in this, you know, torrential downpour in this field in the middle of Croatia. Then after this like massive rainbow just like pops out guy. It's like you, you have these moments where you really in the moment can like reflect on what's going on and realize just how spectacular of an experience and of a moment and of, uh, you know, a, a, a life you kind of get to get to live. So, um, yeah, I wish I could have those moments more often because I can't tell you how many I look back on so many different seasons that I've done and I was so focused on the game and so focused on what was going on that it's really difficult to take in the magnitude of the experience. But yeah, for me, those are some of my favorite memories. Aren't even what's, you know, they aren't even what what made TV and they aren't even what uh, you know, happened that didn't make the cut. It's those moments that a lot of times aren't even on camera. For me, it's just those moments that I have by myself to reflect and really just take in the magnitude of the situation. I will also say this, and this is something that a lot of people, especially in this day and age, one of the greatest parts about doing the challenge is we don't have any communication really to the outside world. You get a 10 minute phone call home once a week. I choose not to take it generally just because I like to stay focused in the game and I don't want to, you know, get soft or lose focus by what's going on at home. But we don't have cell phones. And it's such an amazing like device detox that we go through because sometimes you want to have a phone for 10 weeks. You get your phone back, you don't even know what to do with it or how to use it. I think Horacio in his first season, when he got his phone back, he forgot his password and had to get a new phone because he literally couldn't open his phone. But what actually ends up happening, and I guess this would be another one of my favorite things that happens on the show, is when you're constantly on your phone, and when you're constantly communicating through your phone, when's the last time anyone here has gone out into like a public setting, whether it's a bar or sitting on, I don't know, in a, in a, in a, in a coffee shop, or I don't know if you're on a, a plane or a bus, whatever in public somewhere that you have not had your phone out and you've just had a casual conversation with a complete stranger. It doesn't happen anymore. 
And what ends up happening is like our ability to communicate or like our bandwidth just like is reduced. Our mental bandwidth is reduced because of that, because we're constantly communicating through a device. And we have this device that's just distracting us all the time. We'll go on the challenge and we'll all of our phones taken away. And this really strange phenomenon occurs. Do you want to know what it is? People talking, people getting to know each other, people telling stories. We create games. We create ways to entertain ourselves. We like start doing all this like, like shit that you would like. I get to know people on the challenge so well. So many stories are exchanged. Like you really become so close to people because you don't have this device anymore to distract you and to rely and you and you default back to like who we used to be, and that is like human beings that communicate. And your imagination, all of a sudden your imagination comes back and you start inventing ways to entertain yourself and all these like fun games and all this stuff. So that's kind of like one of the little known kind of benefits and side effects to being on the show and having our devices taken away. Um, Love and Bentley wants to know, how many nieces and nephews do you have? 10, is that what you said on Ride or Dies? I now have 11, Love and Bentley. Yes, you're not hearing things incorrectly. I have 11 nieces and nephews. My older sister just had her ninth. He was actually just born this month. And then uh, my younger sister has two. So needless to say, there's not a whole lot of pressure on me from my parents these days uh, to have a kid. However, I'm never going to do one of those 23 and me situations because once you do that, then you're like out there and who knows, there could be a kid out there that does belong to me that I don't know about. And all of a sudden they're going to like go on 23 and me. And one day I'm just going to, some kid's going to show up at the door and be like, dad, uh, Kristen Grace Clark favorite season of the challenge you've taken part in I always this is a toss up for me between rivals one and free agents just because they were both such I mean fantastic seasons for different reasons um, obviously I won both of them so that was uh, one of the big reasons but also I mean rivals one was the first two day uh, final that we've had first time we switched locations one of the hardest finals in the history of the show a very difficult road to the final. Had to get run over by CT like a friggin' Mack truck seven times, which was not fun. Uh, and then free agents, kind of for the same reason. Uh, free agents was, again, I mean, I went into that season, arguably one of the strongest alliances in the history of the game against me. Zach, CT, Jordan, Johnny Riley. And one by one, I disposed of each of them and then uh, won the show. And it was amazing. I mean, it was a great location. Uh, the final was awesome. So yeah. How <laughs> one more love and Bentley. I don't know why I keep answering your questions. How many bottles of wine do you drink a week when you're at home? More than I want to admit. Let's put it this way. I buy them six at a time these days. Okay. But I'm Italian. Wine to Italians is basically just like fruit salad in a bottle. And that's like the fountain of youth for me. You want to know why? It looks so young and vibrant and handsome at the ripe age of 41, drink more wine, not boxed wine. You got to get the good stuff. All right. None of this two buck Chuck besides yourself. Who will most likely win another challenge? CT Jordan or Wes? Uh, I mean, I'd have to say out of the three, Wes is probably the least likely of the three to win another one. Jordan and CT are both such, I mean, absolute monsters in the game. It would not surprise me if either one of them did. However, we are so outnumbered these days as vets. Um, it's going to be difficult. It'll be a real difficult task for uh, us to make it to finals as easy as we used to. 
It's, uh, it's going to be a tough hill, uphill battle for all of us. But I'd say, I mean, take your pick. Pick your poison. Uh, will you be on season 39 or 40 of the challenge? Well, considering 39 is all rookies, the answer is no. Considering 40 is going to probably be the greatest season of all time. I'd have to say, and hopefully no rookies. I'd say the odds are in your favor. Why does Wes and Devin want to be bananas so bad? 4G63T underscore addict asked that. I mean, that's like saying if you were a baseball team, wouldn't you want to be the Yankees? Yeah, duh. Listen, if I wasn't me and I could be one person, I would probably be Brad Pitt. Then I'd be me. Kelvin Avicii 17. Is season 40 going to be the last on MTV? The short answer, Kevin, is I hope not. All right, but we're going to have to bring it. 40 is going to have to bring it to make up for what's about to happen with 39. All right, let's hope 39 isn't the last on MTV. All right, let's hope we get to 40. Uh, Amanda Mendez, 67. How do you feel when you're constantly targeted? Honestly, Amanda, I wear it as a badge of honor. I say this all the time and I like I'm a victim of my own circumstance. There's a reason why I'm targeted. Okay. There's a reason why people come after me the way that they do. There's a reason why the day, the second I check in, the second I clock into the challenge, I am, I'm going straight to work. And that is because of what I've accomplished over my career. And the fact that I am, and I've said this in the past, probably the most feared challenger of all time. And it, not even necessarily because people don't want to compete against me. I think the fear more is people don't want to see me win again. I don't think people look at me. They're like, oh my God, dude, like <laughs> there's no way I'm not the biggest. I'm not the strongest. I'm not the smartest. I never have been, but I know how to get it done. I know how to adapt. My mental game is on a whole nother level. So I show up and it's like, I take it as I wear it as a badge of honor. People wanting to get rid of me. I can't tell you, Amanda, when the last time was that I showed up, I did an elimination. Competed on a challenge where people are actually like cheering for me to win. Never. It's always, I'm always being rooted against. There's, they're always cheering for the person I'm going against. But I often say this, the day that cast members start cheering for me, the day I'm doing an elimination, I hear people cheering for me, or the day I'm doing a, a daily and people are cheering for me, that's the day I'm going to be worried. You know why? Because then that means that I'm no longer perceived as a threat and people want me to win. So I will take it. All right. It's my bed of nails that I've made and I'm planning on putting it and I've been putting it to use. Um, and I wouldn't have it any other way. As they say, the higher up on the ladder you get, the bigger the target on your ass gets. Let's see. We got a couple more. and I've been in your guys' ear now for, wow, it's been an hour and 14 minutes already. Time just flies when you're having fun and talking about yourself. Um, Caleb 91, you and Genevieve. From The Bachelor, question mark. Love this. Well, may just be coming to an island in paradise near you, K-Love 91. Stay tuned. Stranger things have happened. Uh, Hall Brawl, best two of three for a million dollars. Who wins? This is Michael Murdoch. Messy Fessy or Prime CT? Prime CT wins in a Hall Brawl over the Incredible Hulk and the rest of the Avengers. All right. Like prime CT was if they would have like taken his blood, they could have created a whole army of like super soldiers. It's like the Terminator, like, you know, 
I, I truly believe that like, you know, like the movie, the plot of Terminator 2, where like, you know, the T-1000 is sent back from, you know, the future to destroy all of mankind. I almost feel like CT is like the real life version of that plot. Like he was sent from the future by himself to destroy all of mankind, but uh, he somehow got distracted along the way and joined the challenge instead. Just destroyed competition for a while. Uh, Supermom 2.0, girlfriend, question mark. Why, Supermom? You looking for a boyfriend? You, I mean, you got in my DMs once. Go ahead. Again. Um, what's next after the challenge? Would you be open to hosting it? Already answered the hosting part. Uh, that's TJ's gag. What's next for the challenge? Well, I may be coming to a television screen other than the challenge soon near you. Keep an eye out for on the E network for a show called house of villains. It's going to be amazing. Also, you might see me on a, on a peacock show at some point. Who knows? Are you good friends with the VPR, the Vanderpump rules cast? Yes. Have been for, uh, Quite some time now, before all the the messiness ensued. Would you go on All-Stars? Sarah Gardner, 17, wants to know. Yes, when I am no longer physically or mentally able to do the flagship. It's like, once they send me out to pasture. Michael Paravola wants to know, will you ever get CT on the pod? That's the plan. Michael, we just got to wait for the proper time, because that one will break the internet. Um, PF Hussey wants to know what is your preferred challenge style solo duo or team? I, it's a toss up for me between solo and duo only because solo, it's all on you duo. When you have a, when you have a partner, they're 50%, if not more responsible for, for your stake in the game. And that could be a good thing or a bad thing. When you go solo, it's all on you whole weight of the world and challenges on your shoulders. And so, and these solo challenges, the solo finals are always so much more difficult to win again because you're on your own. Those are just so much more gratifying. So I'd have to go with solo. Who was the best partner you had on a season, male or female? Not even close. Best partner that I've ever had, uh, who also happens to be one of my best friends in real life, is Mrs. Nani Carmen Gonzalez. Honestly, I always knew that we were, you know, we have had this friendship and this relationship that has run all sides of the spectrum over the years. Um, and we have always, you know, been super close, but going on ride or dies with her as my partner going through that season, uh, that was arguably one of the toughest L's I've ever taken in my entire challenge career. But just going through all the ups and downs, the you know the the, the trials and tribulations, the emotional, uh, you know the, the the emotional toll that that season took on I think both of us. This is what I was talking about earlier about you know trauma bonding with people. I think it really did like bring us you know closer than we'd ever been before. And while I loved how that season went for us, and I loved the storyline that we had as a partnership, I really do regret the way that it ended and. Um, you know, I could say, I can honestly say of, of, of all of my regrets over the years and all of the times that I've come up short, I think the one that obviously stings the most is, um, you know, coming up short in the ride or dies final, but 
true to form. She's never once, you know, held held that against me. Uh, we, you know, are I think better friends than than we were before. And she, uh, yeah, is a rider in every sense of the word. There have been times when she has had my back and looked out for me in this world when nobody else has. So, um, and that's difficult to find, not in reality, not in even real life. That's difficult. I mean, not in reality. That's difficult to find in real life. So Nani, you're my girl. Love you to death. So happy for you and how happy you are. And, you know, everything that, you know, you've accomplished over the years. I've loved watching you grow. Love you and Casey. Um, you guys are a, uh, inspiration, I think to a lot of, uh, to a lot of people out there and, um, the world wouldn't be the same without you girl. So. With that being said, that's going to bring us to the end of our mailbag. Hope you guys enjoyed it. Sat here and talked to y'all for, to myself for basically 90 minutes straight. That's impressive, even for me. I mean, I can, I'm my own best entertainment, but really went hard in the paint today for you guys. So um, stay tuned for uh, some updates coming out about uh, the Challenge USA. It's going to be kind of a funky airing schedule. I think they're going to air like two episodes in the first week, one on Thursday, one on Sunday. Uh, premiering August 10th at 10 um, on CBS. So you got to be sure to check that out. And then we are also doing, for anyone that lives in South Florida or Miami, we are doing a premiere party August 10th. I'll be posting it on my social media. So you, Copper Blues, I believe it's called. Uh, I'll be posting it on my social media. So check that out. Thanks for stopping by the Death Taxes and Bananas podcast where the tea flows like wine and my guests instinctively flock like the salmon of Capistrano. I am Oprah. And I love you.